Hey you. It's been a while. Welcome back. You look great. I like what you're doing with your hair. Did you lose weight? Or gain weight? Or stay exactly the same? Whatever it is, it's working for you. Anyway. It's two minutes to midnight on the doomsday clock. A recent IPCC report calls for unprecedented carbon emission reduction by 2030. Oceans have absorbed 60% more heat per year than we expected. Extinction Rebellion takes to the streets using direct non-violent action in a last-minute attempt to save the human species. California is fucking on fire again! Fucking again! Bashy orange nationalist presidents being a real dick about it, too, while also undermining the legal election process with a series of completely unsubstantiated tweets claiming voter fraud. All this and more won't even be mentioned on today's episode. Instead, librarian and special lady friend Christine joins us to talk libraries, robots, and cats. I'm fine, by the way. Thanks for asking. Now if you'll excuse me, someone on the internet is wrong about something, and I'm sure if I just explain it to them, they'll see the error of their ways and thank me. What? What kind of non-sequitur? Oh, I see. It's ad hominems now. Oh, I didn't know it was... We're here to record a podcast today. My special guest is... I'm your guest? <laughs> <laughs> Are you stealing my uh, podcast? <laughs> you aren't saying anything. <laughs> this is way different because usually I'm like video video calling someone and I get to like look at them, but there's like a weird distance and... Mm -hmm. But you're in the same room. What are you in... What are you uh, imbibing? I don't know. Is this a Riesling? It's a Riesling. It's a Riesling. Give me one good Riesling why I should drink this wine. This was on sale at Whole Foods. That's a good and Riesling. It has one of those twist-off tops, wow. which I really like because it's not trying to be anything special. It's saying, you don't need another special device to open me up. And you can also close me without needing one of those stoppers. Yeah, fucking corks. They're mm. pretentious. Think they're better yeah. than everyone else? Yeah. But, okay, so uh, you're, you're someone I think I've mentioned by name once each mm -hmm. of the two and even I think in the third upcoming oh. podcast which by the time this is released will be available but I haven't finished editing yet um so I'm here with Christine actually in the same physical location as my guest uh for the first time and so yeah right. thanks for uh being on the podcast you're welcome my pleasure thanks for having me on here um i've never been on a podcast before so yeah that's cool i think uh I'm, I'm breaking a lot of podcast cherries because all of my <laughs> all of my guests so far i think have said that except yeah. for talon mm. i think talon oh. has been on mm. a podcast or something oh. like that they did like a role-playing game so, podcast mm -hmm. so it was my first but not his mm -hmm. which is yeah. it was still special that's good that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you um how are you uh feeling about podcast making? It's know? pretty fun. I don't have I don't know that I have like a really good reason for doing it other than just I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm like that just seems really fun. It seems like a good excuse to just uh talk to the people that I want to spend time with that I care about and 
then I edit out about half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've listened to the previous episodes, what you heard was what I considered the best half of it. Oh, <laughs> so shade, throwing <laughs> shade. Uh, no, I mean it's you know if you're not a fan of talking about Pokemon or whatever, then you're probably I don't know go listen to something else. You yeah. know, there's a lot of good NPR. They do yeah. great stuff. Although I, I gotta, I gotta say, listening to your podcast, I mean, it's cool, but I always want to respond because it seems like you're like right there in the room, having a conversation, and mm-hmm. you know. And usually, when you are hearing my voice, you can respond. Yeah. And it's kind of surreal. Tell me I'm wrong about whatever I'm saying if you <laughs> are so inclined. Was there anything in the previous podcasts that you that you would want to respond to? Well, when you were talking about um, fight, trying to figure out what to do in life, you know, that resonated with me. I think that resonates with a lot of 30-somethings, you know, or even like 20-somethings. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like traditionally this whole like, oh, what am I going to do with my life is taken care of by in your 20s at some mm-hmm. point, but... I definitely know a lot of people who are still kind of pretty much everyone I know who isn't a software engineer uh, and absolutely most of the creatives that I know their career has always been in like a constant state of reevaluation and flux and kind of feeling it out Mm -hmm. Um, but you are into your career yeah Uh, do you want to talk about that I'm a librarian of the children's librarian sort, and I work at a public library. You know, I work with children, which is great. Kids are just kind of goofy and weird, and they they say weird stuff. Um, So I mainly, I order graphic novels for kids, and I order the nonfiction for kids, and I put on programming that is supposed to be educational but fun. So I think I have a really fun job, and it's like my quote-unquote dream job, and I'm pretty lucky, so I don't want to brag, but it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and you're pretty good at it, too, I have to oh, say. Thanks, huh? As a totally biased uh, third party, yeah, I still feel like I I can say that it's the case. Thanks. Um, you work really hard, and you've done some... Uh, programs that were actually pretty innovative at your library. Um, you've done a lot of, you've done uh, Kids Can Code programs? Yeah, so this is a program that was, you know, it wasn't really by choice, but it was, you know, um, the community wanted this program because coding is a really big deal these days. I mean, for good reason. Um, so I was asked to work up with it asked to work on it with my coworker, and so we kind of built it up from nothing we didn't really have any um guidelines or anything and not a lot of other libraries were doing it so we tried to figure out our own way of doing it because every library's community is different anyway so you kind of have to like feel it out first so uh that's what we did so we felt it out during last summer and then grew from there and I think we built something really good, and we're working on a presentation to present at some conference. So, 
hopefully, you know, that works out well. But I mean, I feel pretty proud of it knowing that like we we didn't really know what we were doing at first, but it was kind of fun. It's kind of fun to be like, here's this thing you don't know how to do. Teach other people how to do it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of exciting and like requires a lot of research, which I enjoy doing. As you know. <laughs> yeah. You do yeah. sort of take work home with you sometimes, so I, I do get I glimpses do. into your process. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've also integrated uh, coding, kind of programmatic thinking, and and programming logic even into, like you did a coding story time yeah. for pretty young kids, mm-hmm. right? So it was for a family story time, which... It's basically from age, for age zero to like age five, so it's a huge age range, and we call it a family story time. And the story behind that was because during the summer, the librarians are super busy, um, you know, ha- handling our programs and like doing a lot of things. But there's also like story time we have to plan for, and I was completely not prepared really to do. I mean, I could just put something together, you know. And, like, maybe recycle another story time I used to do, I had done before. But I was like, well, why don't I just combine this program that I'm already doing with story time and, like, you know, mix it together. And so it was mainly, like, a platform for me to talk about why coding is important to, like, young parents um, and giving them, like, statistics about, you know, the the career the future of their children's like career paths you know like why it's important to think about coding as an opportunity so so I did that and then um, I submitted that into uh, to a like call for projects um, from the ALA American Library Association for a library association book and then it got accepted yay Yay. (laughs) so that's cool I've never been published before so that's exciting nice yeah sound of a high five so actually i'm I'm a little curious uh what kind of stuff did you do during the coding story time like what does a coding story time look like so i mean you've been to one of the story times before it's basically so story time is just songs a finger finger play um which is just like a rhyme that involves like using your fingers and then um yeah i'm restraining myself from making a a terrible joke right now because we are talking about (laughs) children's librarianship i'm like no but you know it's like right there Uh, (laughs) it's like those experiments they did with children where they like put marshmallows on the table Um, and they're like oh you don't wait five minutes to Mm -hmm. eat the marshmallow and you'll get more marshmallows and then they have the video and the kid's just like staring at the marshmallow (laughs) so mean <laughs> diabolical scientist that's how i feel right now about uh hearing you talk about finger play right, but come on make that make the joke make the joke come oh no the, the moment's passed <laughs> okay. I, I just took it meta instead oh, and okay. just wanted to talk about that's the cool. joke opportunity oh. totally derailed the conversation <laughs> dirty mind honey dirty mind um so it's the same stuff as a regular story time, but in between um, the songs, I kind of talk about how, you know, that song helps with gaining a certain skill that will help 
your child learn how to code in the future. Um, for example, there's that song "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star," um, but I but I used it. I used it for um, "Twinkle Twinkle Traffic Light" because traffic light follows this like sequence and like the light the lights um, are symbolic of like an, a direction that drivers are supposed to take. Anyway, it's a little convoluted, but. So I talk about how, oh, you know, the tune Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is really important for us because that is how uh, when we, um, our children learn this long sequence um, of letters that we string together that don't really mean anything for us, but it helps us remember this stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's stuff like that. And I like program this robot to like... Um, go through the sequence of like the traffic light, you know, red means stop, yellow means go very slow, and green means go or whatever. So I did, you know, that kind of stuff. Robot mm -hmm. stuff. Robot stuff, yep. So you actually took home a couple different robot oh, toys yeah. to play with them and get a feel for how they worked and mm -hmm. think of ways of uh, integrating them. Yep your library programs so that was pretty fun there's a lot of cool mm -hmm. like robot toys for kids out there yeah and they're also great for cats i mean you know great cat toys yeah there's this little um mini rolling ball robot <laughs> that is like uh, that is all lit up and buster really enjoyed playing with that one it yeah cute just made me think that we should bring cats to the libraries because adorable yeah you have the uh, um dog tails which yeah, is dogs yeah yeah so there's, there's no cat tails i know there should be cat tails i mean when you think of a librarian you think you think of cats and like more than one cat so we should just bring them into the library and some libraries have a library cat you know yeah anyway so, <laughs> so we actually met at the library where I'm currently a librarian, so you have experience in the library world too. Um, you know, what, a little bit. Yeah. What 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 were your thoughts of um, library library work? Are you interviewing me? <laughs> I mean, I mean it's like we're asking each other questions. Yeah, you know, that's a conversation. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, libraries are pretty cool. Um, I went to a library a lot as a kid, or I should say my dad took me to a library a lot as a kid. Um, I've, I've talked with you about this a little mm -hmm. bit, but uh, I was always like, like my approach to going to the library is very similar to my approach to going to the store where mm -hmm. I like, I want to already know what I want and then kind of get the things mm -hmm. and then... Although, you know what, sometimes, uh, like, as an adult, I've, like, taken a laptop there and done some work at the library, mm -hmm. but... Libraries are, uh, many, uh, you can use them many different ways, so, you know, when I was a young kiddo, um, my parents took me to the library on, you know, not often, but I do remember going and, like, gathering big stacks of books, where, and we were always the people that turned things in late and had fines and stuff. <laughs> You know, as, when you're a kid, it's, it's not. Is it? Is it really your fault? I mean, I don't really have any way of getting to the library, so. You're gonna hitchhike. I could have. <laughs> I mean, 
really I wasn't that dedicated you know yeah I was relatively fine free because I didn't let my dad use my library card mm. but he used and abused my sister's library oh, cards yep well we know parents do that <laughs> yeah so we would get these like automated robot voice phone calls all mm-hmm. the time Please return the library (laughs) books that you have borrowed. Your books are super duper late. You owe $57. I was was thinking the opposite, like 17 cents. (laughs) I don't think they start, like, robo-dialing you until... That's true. But, uh, so, like, any time, whether they were, like, whether they said my sister's names or my dad's name or i think my mom's name too i think he used my mom's card too we're all just like dad it's for you you owe books again obviously um because he always checked out like huge stacks of books mm-hmm. um which is respectable i'm just like can't read all that yeah i mean it's it's hard to limit yourself when your options are like you know like, you could check out up to, I don't know. Well, at our library, the limit's, like, 75 things. So, if you're, if, <laughs> cue Jeremy blinking, <laughs> head thrown back. I mean, if you're not a teacher, what are you doing with 75 well, things? Opening that, a knockoff library? <laughs> that's exactly, you know, that's the response that people give us. And we're like, oh, 75. And they're like, what? Why? <laughs> because... Because, honestly, we have too many things and we need people to check them out. So, please help. Which, which to me, just means a sign that we need to really get rid of a bunch of stuff. But What I'm thinking, though, is, like, if you can check out 75 books of the library, if you are, like, internet dating or something, or ask a lady out in real life, does that happen? Wait. Or ask a dude out in real life. Uh Whatever. But if you're going to have, like, someone over and you want to impress them and you realize you don't have any books, you could just go to the library, get 75 books. And just fill your shelf up? Sh- fill your shelf up. That's well, like a... the thing is, then, like, the, the, like, the label would show in it. I don't know. Like, I mean, everyone knows it's a library book. I mean, maybe it shows that you read, but do you buy the books? So you're saying if you went over to someone's house and Mm -hmm. saw shelves full of library books, you would be like, nah. Well, like, it has to be a reasonable stack, you know? If it's Mm -hmm. too many, then I would think, hmm, is there a felony out for you because you haven't returned these books, you know? Isn't it a crime? (laughs) Does the library... I don't really think it's a big deal. (laughs) IRL, but it's just... Hmm, do you really need this many? Is what I would probably think. You should ask my dad that. <laughs> um, that's no, that's what the um, the robot should say. Do you really need to keep all of those books? <laughs> what are you doing building a book fort? <laughs> um, does the library ever send like collection services after people that owe a lot of money or have a lot of books out? Well, not my particular library we just kind of i mean we don't make money from fines or anything it's just if it's a loss then it's it 
it's gone and we tried like and then we make a decision on whether or not it was something that we should keep a repurchase or not oh i see you so know. you're like if books go missing you get to decide whether they're wor- worth getting more right. so it's like just mm-hmm. sort of can be a useful way of retiring books yeah which needs to happen sometimes i mean we're we have limited space you know things are going digital got to figure out well what needs what should be print and what you know what's better off digital sometimes which i think like graphic novels for example i feel like is way better in print than it is digital so yeah i've tried to read digital graphic novels um and i've i've read a bunch of digital comics but it's always like eh. yeah, it's so much work yeah even if you have a big screen too that you're looking at it's just it's clearly not the right experience like having to scroll through it and yeah it's 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 not really suited for that i mean web comics are a thing there's comics mm-hmm. that are developed for the digital yeah, medium but that's true that's but true. and then those probably look really weird when you print them or oh yeah totally. I've, I've read reviews about that like how they it just doesn't translate well to actual print which is yeah do you want to talk about toast? <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> well, we could we could talk about toast. Okay, we could talk about toast. Okay. Do you want Do you want to start that, or do you want me to? I w- I'd like you to start. Okay. Start. Talk about your like childhood experience with toast. <laughs> yeah. You know. Start all the way back. Yeah, go way back. So this morning, okay. I toasted some bagels for both of us, and you were in the kitchen too. Uh, you were like, hey, what do you want on your bagel? And then you prepared my bagel, which is really sweet. And I was like, oh, uh, butter and jelly. And mm. then I opened it up, and, and there was like butter on one side, and jam on the other mm-hmm. and I was like oh you buttered one side and jammed the other side mm-hmm. and I don't remember exactly what I said but you just kind of like looked at me askance you you kind of looked at me like well yeah duh <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I think it was your tone of voice you're questioning like you did this you did what? oh you buttered yeah. one side and jammed the other yeah you're like you buttered one side and jammed the other like, it was more of a question mark tone, like, uh-huh. in the end. It wasn't an exclamation point. Otherwise, I, I would, wouldn't have been defensive. Sure. <laughs> you know. So, but, yeah, you were like, I mean, I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was kind of like, well, yeah, of course. Like, yeah. It's like, what people do. Yeah, because in my mind, that's what people do, because I, I don't watch people do this, but... I customarily did one side and then the other side. So you're, you always made sandwiches. But anyway, it like transitioned to, mm-hmm. well, do you do this with all toast? And it turns out yeah. you'd been doing it with all toast. Like you always, when you have toast, you make mm-hmm. like a toast sandwich yeah, with whatever a, you're going to put on it. I made a toast sandwich, you know, and that's what I thought was normal. That was toast to you. Like to you, toast, toast meant making mm-hmm. some kind of sandwich. Well, like, okay, it's it's toast specifically with butter and jam, butter jelly, you know, 
margarine jelly, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, becomes a sandwich. So you were kind of like, this is what's normal, yeah. was making toast sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'd never, I mean, maybe once or twice I've made a toast sandwich. I mean, I've toasted bread for sandwiches, but where I, you know, it's like typical toast ingredients, like butter and jelly. And I'll just like, for convenience sake or whatever, put them together, maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. But I'd only ever heard of... You know, toast is like traditionally served open face to me, but to Mm -hmm. you, that was abnormal. Yeah, to me, it's something to get that something to me, your nose could get in the jelly and, you know, why have that be a possibility? I was very shocked, dismayed, (laughs) dismayed. (laughs) I was doing my research, Googling many variations of toast on Google image search. So what it came down to was the sandwich thing was normal for you. Like mm-hmm. if, if if someone says toast, in your mind, it's a toast sandwich. In mm-hmm. my mind, it's just open-faced toast. Mm-hmm. And so you decided to get to the bottom of it. So you go on Google image search and you exclude French from the mm-hmm. toast query. Yeah. And... You see a mountain of evidence. It for... was mostly open face. <laughs> Almost entirely open face. Uh... With the notable exception of toast sandwiches, like peanut butter and jelly toasted sandwiches. Even now, I have a, a little emotional, physical reaction to, you know, my world being turned upside down. That I'm the weird one that eats, <laughs> you know, I'm the one that calls. All sodas, Coke or cola or something. Mm-hmm. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like you're having like an existential like everything yeah. I've ever known about toast has been a lie. But, and not to get too, I mean, but you were looking at toast. You were Google image searching toast for like seven minutes. Seven minutes in toast heaven. I mean, you know why not? I mean, you would move on with your life, maybe, but I'm I I'm an investigator. <laughs> but yeah, let's not spin this. Like you weren't just like pleasantly perusing toast images. You were like, what is happening? And just yeah. scrolling through mountains of like, open face toast, open face toast, open face toast. <laughs> yeah. And so I realized, because we were watching an episode of Community together, Uh and so like seven minutes in, I stopped and I was like, are you still looking at toast pictures? Yeah, and And it really baffled you that I was doing this. Yeah. So we talked about it, because now I'm like, all right, something's going on here. Mm -hmm. Like, why is this toast thing such a big deal? You realize your whole life has been a lie. Yeah. (laughs) That toast is... What kind of reality am I living in right now? A world where... World. (laughs) A dystopian nightmare where almost every single person other than you is eating toast open-faced like a savage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because to you, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, okay, and I brought this... I brought this up to you, but 
already, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's the whole, like, pop and Coke and, you know, for soda, it's all soda. And, like, um, and using a fork for rice where, I mean, I'm just like, why would you ever use a fork for rice? Because when you have the option of using a spoon, you can get much more stuff on a spoon than you could on a fork because all that stuff just falls off when you, like, there are holes in it, you know? I mean... It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I always thought it was weird. Or it's you know? like you're how millennials feel about napkins, where you're like, you already have paper towels, what are you doing? Buying a mm-hmm. less absorbent, doilier and, paper know, towel. And for some people, it's like, you already have toilet paper, so what are you doing buying tissue paper or whatever? Um, you already have paper towels, what are you doing buying toilet paper? You already have water, why aren't you using that to wipe, you know, to not wipe, to clean your butt? So, toast. <laughs> okay, so, you, so you're like... It's never gonna end with you! It's so always. you're like, well we haven't really gotten to guess, the next step, okay. which is where shit gets super real. Uh, <laughs> it gets really real. <laughs> so... Because I'm like, all right, something weird is happening because this, this like, discovering that, to me, it's fairly insignificant. It's just like, oh, well, you do toast an uh, unusual way, but you are kind of, like, reeling over it. Like, so, some, there's, like, an emotional weight to discovering that mm-hmm. your toast but, is weird. Um, Eventually, it kind of, we came yeah. to what was kind of going on. Yeah, because I was getting, like strangely emotional about it you know I mean and it it kind of like so I figured out that it has to do with you know being and I am for those of you who don't know I am a POC which is person of color you know I'm an Asian person Asian American wait what no I (laughs) I'm telling you now I mean we've talked about this you know I was somebody who often got the question and I don't get it that much these days thank goodness but it's like you know what are you you know kind of question and I was I was the little girl in uh, elementary school who is kind of like shunned for not looking white and not looking black and just being the weird alien one Mm, and not fitting into these like really simple two categories of people that Mm -hmm. And so, like, as a child, what do you do but try to conform in the ways that you can? And, you know, it's like, just the toast thing just reminded me of that. Just being like, I'm the totally weird one! You know? I'm the totally weird one! (laughs) Everyone will see! Right. I don't know. Because as you explained to me, it was kind of like, you know, if you grew up being othered, which, like, as a kid, you lived in um, Georgia, right? I lived in a place named after being in between two different places so it was called midway <laughs> it still is called midway so so it's very like you know kind of a podunk shit town well, excuse you yes <laughs> yes you know it was not a cosmopolitan it wasn't a mixture of cultures it was like, for example, we had this thing every, um, at the end of the school year, like, the school would kind of come together in a field day type event, where certain classrooms would, um, represent a different country. 
And even though Japan was not like my classroom's class, they asked my sister and uh, my sister and me to like uh, participate in flashback to the year nineteen bleep 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 ninety something. Anyway, so I was in an elementary school in this kind of podunk, as you say, town, and um, they had this thing called Olympic Day that happened every year, and all the classrooms had their, like, set country that they were presenting about, and the presentation meant everyone, all the classes gathering into um, the gym for this, like, show case showcase kind of thing where there would be like a dance performance and like after that there would be like a food tasting you know and so I remember for for example my mom had like fried rice for like some place I don't know where exactly but but what I was getting getting at was that even though like I think my my country was like France, like my classroom's country was France or something. It was either France or I don't remember where. But they, but the other classroom asked me to be a part of their like presentation to like do this uh, Japanese dance, which I kind of wonder now that I think about it, like where do they get this from? <laughs> you know, because nobody there was Japanese, so I don't know where they were getting the dance from. But I remember my sister and I had to dress up for it, which just meant that my mom went to Sears or something and went to, like, the lingerie section and got, like, silk robes for kimonos, which is just awful. How old were you? We were, like, seven. Well, I mean, I was seven. Sister's eight. You know. Yeah. We were kids. I also think it's worth noting that you are not Japanese. I am not Japanese. Yeah. I am um, Thai. So, and then there was a year that they they actually did Thailand. I think they caught on. (laughs) And so they actually like uh, did Thailand, which was, which was good. My mom came and like taught the class how to do this Thai dance. And we all did it, so. (laughs) Anyway, so the toast thing just kind of reminded me of childhood when when all you're trying to do as a kid is, like, not stand out very much. Hmm. Well, of course, not every kid, but, like, you really don't want to be weird. You know, because, like, kids, they're, like, raised in their homes and their, like, families might do some weird stuff, but nobody, and it's just normal you know, because <laughs> that's the world you're living in. But my world today has just been flipped. Yeah. So that, like, discovering that you were doing toast in a way that was atypical. Wrong for, like, so long. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, reconnected with this, like, childhood, mm-hmm. like, otherness shame. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially because, like, food is such, like, a, I mean, it's like a primal... Like a connection to your humanity, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody like like shits on this food that you think is great, you kind of feel a little hurt. <laughs> like, yeah. What? 
Like food runs you know? deep. Food yeah. is like, I mean, it, it literally gives you life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also everyone's relationship with food is sort of personal yeah. and their background with what they ate growing mm-hmm. up is, yeah. Yeah, like no matter where you come from, you could always like talk about food. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> that's like a thing you can always, you can share with everyone. Pals! I just want to interject for a second. I don't know where this part's going to wind up. I'll probably move this around so we don't lose momentum. But uh, our neighbors, who we often hear them playing music, I assume loudly, but it's possible the floors are just really, really sound conducive. And then I have to wonder, what do they hear of us? But I hear them playing music really kind of loudly, (laughs) quite Mm -hmm. a bit. And so they started playing music while we were recording. So we kind of stopped and I was like, okay, well, is the microphone going to pick this up? So we just started recording and then amplified it a little. And yeah, sure enough, it was picking up the music. Um, So then I kind of cranked it up and played back what they were playing (laughs) kind of loudly. And then they turned their music (laughs) down pretty much right away. So... Pro tip, if your neighbors are playing music really loudly, record the music they're mm-hmm. playing and play it back to them so they can hear what it sounds like. I feel like if I ever actually have a conversation with our downstairs neighbors, eventually I'm just going to be like, what's that fucking song you keep playing? And I'm sure they're, they're gonna, it's going to be something like, this was my father's favorite song. He died when I was seven. I listened to it and I'm just going to feel like a monster. <laughs> Well, anyway, the whole thing about the toast thing just brought me back to feeling like the other, mm-hmm. which sucks. And, you know, it. On, on one hand, I feel like people shouldn't feel like people shouldn't have that experience of feeling like the other. But on the other hand, I think maybe everyone should have that, you know, at some point of being like dejected from society just so that they know what it's like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone does, like, everyone's felt shamed for Mm -hmm. being different one way or another at some point. I mean, basically, like, I don't know if this is normal for human beings in general, but for contemporary, at least American society, which is really the only society I've known, so Mm -hmm. it's the only one I can really speak about. You know, kids are always, like, kind of shaming other kids, trying, like, testing whatever, any points of weakness for anything they can notice being different to try to, like, put them in a different category or make them feel different or weird. But if you're, if your difference from everyone else around you is overt as, like, you know, like, racial characteristics, mm-hmm. you can't just, you know... Like, you can't just be funny. Like, <laughs> you can't just decide to be the funny kid. I mean, maybe you, maybe you can, but as a shy little kid... I didn't do that. Mm. I just kind of was like, oh, well, I guess I'm weird, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's hard not to internalize that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have evolved to internalize the information that we're presented mm-hmm. with. So if you're presented as a kid with, you know, you're different, you're mm-hmm. strange, you're, you know, alien in some way. Yeah. And And my teachers didn't really seem to understand that race was an issue. Because they were always thinking, they were, 
their like notes to my parents was like oh she's really quiet and she doesn't talk to us so she needs to open up more you know yeah but it was like she wasn't the teachers weren't like in they didn't really see that they weren't woke no (laughs) which like not not to shit on like midway georgia teachers but oh please do (laughs) well i kind of don't i'd be surprised (laughs) if any of them like took sociology classes or you know anything like Mm -hmm. that and i had come from like when i was in preschool like my my parents thought that they would put me in a private school which was like a christian private school i'm not sure what brand of christian but they thought it was like better for me because you actually had to pay to go there so it must have been better you know they had that thought but i think when they learned that you were like beaten at the school then they decided it's not a good school you know yeah, that's a red flag. Yeah, so your op- options in Midway, Georgia at the time were not lucrative, I guess. They're not great, you know, yeah. not many. So let's talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's turn this conversation about the experiences of a woman of color uh, into more um, talking about a white male. Um because we need that perspective. Yeah, there's not enough white male <laughs> perspective. And, and I mean, well, okay, so I'm, you know, racially white. So, and I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, typical looking. There's nothing really about me that uh, jumps out at anyone as being other in, in a predominantly white society. Um but I was homeschooled until high school. Um, and then starting from high school uh, up until, I would say, present day in some ways. Um, you know, I, I would, I, I've gotten teased about my voice, but also the content of what I said. You know, I would say things that weren't, like, hip to, you know, high school normie culture uh or you know i would say something that would be weird or you know talk about things i'd read that were not you know part of the curriculum or you know i i just had i i had you know a different i was coming from a different world in some ways Mm -hmm. even if it was still like you know waspy culture i wasn't part of uh, but it was it was not overt so as long as as long as i didn't open my mouth I could pass for just being normal as long as I dressed in a way that didn't attract attention in any way. So I think in a lot of ways, I internalized that. That, like, in order to uh, kind of fit in, it's probably best if I just don't say stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. If I don't open my mouth. Um, So I did that for a while. Um, And, and... So my experience with that is is pretty different. You know, someone could, I could, I could blend in. Someone could look at me and not other me. Um, but I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't have the same experience, but I, I do, you know, I felt uh, different. You know, I mm-hmm. felt different from my peers. I felt different from everyone in the little high school I went to where they all knew each other since grade school. Mm-hmm. 
and you know had all these had inside jokes and stuff that I wasn't a part of mm-hmm. um and then just you know even going uh like every time I get a new job there's always like a when is it gonna come out that I was homeschooled like part of me is still a little like nervous about you know, I don't want to be defined by that now, you know, I don't want to be the homeschool guy, um, because there's, like, some, you know, sometimes we'll be, like, sometimes people have reacted, oh, that makes sense, and that kind of, like, makes me, I can be different and not ju- that just being, I mean, there's plenty of homeschool yeah. kids that have d- passed for normal. And, and there are plenty of, like, not homeschool kids, like, you know, drama kids, or, like, the geeks, or that aren't, you know... Yeah. Normal. Yeah. Anyhow. But, I mean, actually, like, homeschooling, like, I think it's, you know, it's something that I would consider for if I ever have children. We ever have children, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Mom. <laughs> Moms. <laughs> yeah. Calm down, Christine's mom. <laughs> um, you know, I, I would consider homeschool, like... You know, there are, there are different ways you can take it. So, I mean, it's like, it's like monitoring what your kids learn. That's not a bad thing. So, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, um, I'm not like, as a rule, opposed to homeschooling. I just think, I don't know, homeschooling universally isn't better than public schooling mm-hmm. universally. And there's definitely stuff that I gained from it and definitely stuff that, uh, you know, challenges that I faced Mm -hmm. from it. I mean, I was definitely, I had a kind of like intellectual independence taught to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so like my primary educators were my parents and they had different, you know, like my parents are both would call themselves a Christian, but my dad is like, uh, you know, into science and accepts, you know, the findings of science and the pretty universally agreed upon stuff like evolution, including evolution of human beings. And my mom was kind of like, but the Garden of Eden and a literal talking snake. And so, like, I had to parse that as a young age and be like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. My 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 male god figure and my goddess figure are giving me different information. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I kind of learned a critical thinking or to, or a value to value inquiry and critical thinking from a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I mean that's made me weirder. So that you know that's not like. But I feel like more people should have you know, that quality just questioning the reality is good because <laughs> then it gets you closer to a you know a meaningful truth yeah probably um yeah but there is something comforting about just you know being part of group think and real shit <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of weird doing a podcast with each other because we talk to each other every day yeah, so there's like not all really the time there's not, like, new stuff to talk about. <laughs> I really want fries. Yeah, let's take a break here to eat those fries. Thank you for joining us again. Opening track was Honey's Pie by Wake. Closing track was 
Natural Organics by Black Ant. And you'll find links to both of those in the show notes. I've already got the next four episodes recorded, actually, so just however long editing takes. Hope to see you next time. Mm-hmm.